بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وبه نستعين ثم الصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد الله صل على محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين Dear sisters and brothers and water bottles and clementines السلام عليكم It's an honor to be among you on such a special night. And it's been a long time, at least for me personally, to have the honor to be in a center for such a night after a whole year of having all the events from home. So I'm very grateful for whoever made that possible, especially the team at Shabab Septain. And let's recite the salawat, please, for everyone involved. And also, I would like to thank every single one of you. Whether you're here, is this going to fall? Let me just keep it here with me. Whether you're attending here or watching from home, thank you so much for giving me your time. I want to mention a few things, get them out of the way. And then, inshallah, we'll start tonight's discussion. The topic for all of the six nights is regarding insan, human being, you and me. Every night, we're going to be tackling this topic from a different angle. But all of them, yeah, thank you so much, but all of them are pieces of the same puzzle. So I really want to ask everyone, that if you want to watch, make sure you watch all of them together because we're trying to get somewhere and we can only do that if you watch all of the six nights. So that was one thing. Second thing, please keep an open mind and open heart. We're gonna go on a journey and we're gonna get to a good place hopefully, but in order to get there, we may go through certain places and talk about certain things which initially may be a little bit shocking to you. You're like, why is he talking about this? What is he on about? Just trust me and you have all the time after we're done with the lectures to discuss your issues if you have any questions. As the brother said, we're gonna have a Q&A after the six talks, the seventh night is gonna be a Q&A. So for the time being, Let's let go of all the barriers, let's go of all the anything, and try and speak to each other as beautiful souls created by God. Um, that's one thing. Second thing, I know that you have attended so many lectures, you have attended so many talks, and I'm not sure how much impact you felt they've had on you, but based on your previous experiences, you probably come with a judgment of what's going to happen. Maybe you think, okay, we're just going to attend because this is what you have to do on Layali of Qadr. We just listen to a lecture, wait till it's finished, we go home. But that's not what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that by the end of these six nights, something happens, something changes. You feel like you have tools, knowledge, and a motivation 
to change your life. I'm really hoping we can achieve a real change by the end of these six nights. So where are we going to start? We're going to start from the first topic. In Son, God's greatest creation. Why have I chosen to talk about insan? Why have I chosen to speak about human beings, about you and I? Because at the end of the day, this is one of the most important topics for all. See, we learn so many things in life. We've learned how to be an accountant, if we're an accountant. We've learned how to be a chef, some of us. Some of us learned how to be a pharmacist. Some of us have learned how to be an optometrist. They've taught us about chemistry. They've taught us about physics. They've taught us about maths. And in so many areas of our life, we're successful. Each of us, we came from a different place today. But there's one thing which no one ever talked us about. And that is how to be an insan. How to be a human being. What do I mean by that? We in this life go through so many challenges. And this is the part in which I want you to be honest. We may not admit this to other people in our life, but if you think about it, all of us, we have worries, fears. Sometimes we feel lonely. Sometimes we find it so difficult to get up in the morning. We don't have motivation. Sometimes we're dealing with an illness and it's so much and we're angry and we don't know what to do. Sometimes we're scared of what's going to happen to us. Sometimes we're scared that we may not get married ever. What if I always remain lonely? Some of us are married, we don't know how to deal with that relationship. Some of us are in a relationship and we feel we're not heard. We feel we're not appreciated. And no one ever sat us down and said, Javad, if this happened to you, this is how to deal with it. Javad, if you get scared, this is how you deal with your fear. Javad, if you get lonely, Javad, if you suddenly got ill, Javad, if your loved one suddenly was diagnosed with a terminal cancer, how do you deal with that? When you get angry at the universe, when you are even angry at God, how do you navigate through those days? When you feel like life is too difficult, that you don't even see any point in it, how do you navigate that? How do you deal with those emotions? It seems like no one ever taught us these things. You know when you go to bed and you want to sleep late at night, you put your head on the pillow and you're hoping you can get some sleep, but then your mind starts talking. You know, today, this happened. You know, they judge you. You were not good enough. You made that mistake. What if they think this about you? It doesn't stop. Or maybe you have something that you're scared of tomorrow. Oh, you know, tomorrow you're going to go to this meeting. You know what's going to happen? You're going to embarrass yourself. This is going to happen. What if we don't get this job? What if I fail in this exam? What if I'll never succeed? And you want to sleep? The voice in your mind never stops. And again, this is one of those things no one ever taught us how to use, 
How do I deal with the voice in my head, which probably is even active right now? I'm sure as you're sitting right there, so many of you, there's a voice in your head. Someone could say, what is the sheikh on about? Come on, tell us a hadith. Mention a verse of Quran. Some of you may be thinking, oh, no, that's true. There is a voice in my head, right? Some of you may be like, oh, damn it, he got us. Now he knows there's a voice in my head, right? Even now it's working. And did anyone ever tell you why is that voice there? What's its function? How to deal with it? When it doesn't stop, how do you make it stop? So, things happen to us in our life. There's a voice there which attacks us, which judges us. We get feelings we don't know how to deal with. And as a result of this, our life has become very difficult. I want to ask you a question which I'm hoping you answer in your heart. When was the last time that for 24 hours nonstop you felt peace? Right? You woke up in the morning, everything was great, and for 24 hours you still felt like everything is great. It wasn't disturbed or interrupted by a worry or what's going to happen, by a fear or what's going to happen, by a sense of shame, oh, I'm terrible, I'm not good enough. Oh, what's going to happen to my child? What's going to happen to my job? Oh, I feel lonely. Oh, I feel bored. Do you remember when was the last time for 24 hours you enjoyed life, like when we were kids? Look at the children around you. They're enjoying life, right? One of the spiritual teachers, once a mother went to him and said, Oh, spiritual teacher, how can I get my child to be like us? Whatever we tell her, she doesn't listen. I want her to be like us. And then the spiritual teacher told her, why do, you want your uh, why do you want your child to be like you? Look at her. She's happy. She's enjoying life. She's full of energy, full of joy. And now look at you adults miserable, grumpy, you barely smile, you're always stressed. Why? And by the way, I'm not going to mention that none of you are also smiling tonight. Everyone's so serious and grumpy. It's okay to smile. It's sunnah. So this is what we're going to talk about. How to be an insan. How to be a human. How to deal with challenges, with the difficulties of being an insan. And why is that so important? Because we're living at a time where with a lot of us, we've even forgotten, we've let go of the idea that you can live a life and enjoy it. You can live a life full of peace. It's become such a luxury that we're like, okay, when I'm 30, if I get this, I will have some peace. Then that doesn't happen. Like, okay, if I get a promotion, then when I'm 40, I'll have it. I'll get a detached house, this will happen, then I will have peace. You know what, when I'm 60 years old, maybe then I will have peace. And then in our whole life, we chase having some peace, some comfort, and we don't have it, and then we die, and then they say, okay, may he rest in peace. At least now that he's left, let him have some peace. Even though when we look at our tradition, when we look at our ahadith, Imam Ali is saying, no, it's possible in this very world to live a life without worries, without stress. So, this is what we're trying to achieve in these six nights. And 
Why is it that we haven't learned it so far? Why is it that no one has helped us on how to be a human being? Well, it's not like no one has tried. One of the places which was meant to help us was what? Religion. I think a lot of you may remember from probably when they were teaching you kalam or something, that, oh, religion is an instruction manual for human, for insan, right? They used to say that, see, God created you. God knows how you are, how you function, what's good for you. So then he gave you religion. That's what they told us, right? But did it work? Does the current understanding of religion that we have helped us? Didn't they say it's from God, the one who created us? Like probably you must have even heard this example that they say, see, when you buy a device, the company gives you an instruction manual because the company created it. And now God has created you, so religion is the instruction manual. Follow it and something good will happen. And now my question is, did it happen? When you compare your life to the life of a person who's not following the religion that you're following, do you feel like there are certain significant changes? Do you feel like you have less fears? Do you feel like you feel like there's a point in life? Do you feel like that in the morning you get you get up excited to do something in this world. If not, then you're like most of us. And let it be clear that I'm not trying to attack religion or even blame us. No. In fact, I'm going to be arguing for the fact that religion is there to help us. But that's only if we get it right. There are certain ways in which we have got it wrong, and we need to correct that. And so I will be trying to bring evidence from the Quran, from the hadith of the Prophet, from the du'as of the Ahl al-Bayt, to show us that we've got certain parts of religion wrong. And that's why it's not working for many of us. And how do we know it's not working for any of us? We just need to be honest with ourselves. We just need to think about the idea that we've been praying for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. We've been fasting. We've been reading the Quran. How many of us can say that they encountered God? They felt the presence of God in their heart. How many people do you know that after you get up, after they get up from their prayer mat, they're a different person? They were full of worries, concerns. They went to God. They prayed. They got up and they were a different person, full of courage, full of patience. If we can't see that, and I'm not saying there's no one who's like that. I'm just saying that a lot of us don't have that. Or if we have it, we don't know how it happened. It's as if by luck or an accident for a few days, we have it. But we can't recreate it. Yes, maybe in that ziyarat to Karbala, we felt it for a few days. Something happened. I felt some peace. For some people, maybe at Hajj. For some people, maybe in the nights of Qadr. But it finishes. How do you recreate it? That patience, that courage, that connection with God, with Imam Hussein. It's gone. And we don't know how to recreate it. It hasn't worked. 
we're not less scared, we're not less angry, we're not more patient, we're not more courageous. And when you want to complain or even raise concerns that I tried your prescription, believe me, many people message me. They say, they told us religion came to help you have a better life, better relationship with God. I'm doing everything they told me to, it's not working. And then what do they do when you raise this concern? That, oh, there must be something wrong with the way you did it. They put the blame on you. They put the blame on us. I said, believe me, I've been praying for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. It's not working. I don't feel anything. It's the same thing. He said, oh, did you have enough sincerity? Was your, try, was your pronunciation? There must be something wrong with you. Go try harder. I've been fasting. Oh, no, no, no. Try harder. Try in the middle of Shabbat. Try in the nights of Ramadan. I tried. Wallah, I was honest. I tried. And so a lot of people, when you're honest with them, after they've seen that they've raised these concerns and no one at least appreciated it, no one understood it, no one said, yes, I get you. I get you. Come sit down. Let's talk about it. They feel unheard. They feel their pain is on their mind. And they're like, I don't feel good about this religion. Do you know how many children of sheikhs I know who when they felt safe with me, they said, we don't believe in anything anymore? Do you know how many people are leaving it? Or even if they don't leave religion, it's even if they don't divorce religion, they're living in the same house, but the passion is gone. They're with religion, but it's just something they have to do. Why? Because we threatened them. Oh, if you leave it, oh, don't you think you're going to leave it that easily? There's going to be punishment. There's going to be hellfire. Oh, don't you dare leave praying even if you think it's not going to work for you. Oh, if you stop praying one day, there's going to be punishment. There's going to be hellfire. God's going to make sure you'll be miserable when you die. And so a person who started from a point of life is difficult. A person who started from the point that I feel lonely sometimes. I get scared sometimes. I need help. Life is too difficult sometimes. I don't know how to take care of myself. My dad's ill. My grandfather doesn't remember my name. You know, so many different problems that each of us has experienced at least one of them. We're going through all of these difficulties. We don't know how to deal with that. We went to religion to help. It told us to do certain things. We did them. It didn't work. We raised concerns. Not only it wasn't understood, they threatened us. Ooh, if you make a mistake, on top of all of that pain, you're going to be in hell as well, and we're going to burn you. And so the person, on top of the initial problem they had, now they have an ex ex extra problem. It's like, okay, it's my own problems and anxiety. Now I have to be making sure that God's not angry with me either. So a secondary layer of problem. And the person is so scared that on a night like this, which is so beautiful, so special, the nights of God is so special. We'll talk about that later on. We're so scared that we don't enjoy it. We spend two, three hours begging God, because we haven't got what it means. The line is beautiful, but the way we say it, it's as if we have to save ourselves from the wrath of a judgmental, resentful God. And we are thinking 
that I have to win the mercy of this God that otherwise will attack me and punish me. So I have to win his mercy over. I have to say it so many times. Maybe finally he would find it in, in him to, to forgive me. Allah will talk later on about what this line actually means. But this is what has happened to us. We went to this understanding of religion, a lot of us, and it didn't help us that much. And not just that, it even told us that don't you dare finding help for your problem from another source. So it even wants exclusivity. I see a lot of people telling me this, that, Sheikh, I'm really dealing with intrusive thoughts. I'm dealing with a lot of fear. This voice in my head doesn't stop. Wallah, I tried. I'm praying. It doesn't help me much. But then, someone has taught me a technique, for example. I use that technique. It helps me. And the poor thing is now feeling guilty. I wish this peace came to me from Salat, not from this technique which doesn't have to do with religion. Yani, the person feels even guilty. I want to get it from here, but they're not helping me. They're not teaching me. And some people, even when they see this, they go and attack them. Believe me, I've seen this. They're like, how dare you bringing these practices that help a person calm their mind? It's... It's haram, it's this, it's that. Okay, so far we said what's wrong. Now let's talk about how can we make it right? What was it meant to be? What was religion like when Prophet was here? When the Ahlul Bayt were preaching religion? You know, tonight we were reading in Dua Iftitah, Allahumma inna nashku Tonight you will feel why. Just let me show you how different Prophet was, how different the Ahl al-Bayt were to the way right now sometimes we're going through religion, we're practicing religion. One of the most important mistakes at some point we made was that we thought we are doing religion, we are doing the rituals to please God, right? How, how this mistake happened, the person says, for example, I'm praying to make God happy. I'm fasting so that God is happy. Or, for example, I'm being grateful in my life, shukr, so that God's not upset with me. As if God's sitting there waiting for us to pray. And if I don't pray, something's going to be missing there. Or for example, with shukr, we feel like God's given us something and na'udhu billah, God is so petty that if you, if you don't thank him, he'll get upset. He says, wait, oh, they didn't thank me. Whereas when you look at the Quran, when you look at the ahadith of Ahlul Bayt, the du'as, you see the picture is very different. Imam Hussein in du'a Arafah. God, whether I obey you or disobey you, it makes no difference for you. It doesn't harm you. You're bigger than that. You're ghani. I'm praying because it's good for me. Because it was meant to change me. 
And this is one of the most important mistakes we made. Both in the way we practice religion and in the way we teach religion to our kids. We forgot religion came to change us. Religion came to create a real change here. Not so that you do some actions outside to win the mercy of God. As if if you don't pray, God on the day of judgment would be like, oh, 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 he didn't pray. Hell, please. Fire, burn him. Yani, we thought, and let me give you an example of how the difference is so simple yet so important. See, there are two ways in which a person can tell you do something. One is like a teacher. A teacher or a parent, for example, may tell you, clean your room. If you don't clean your room, I will hit you, for example, God forbid. Or I will take your PlayStation away. In this case, the parent is creating the punishment, right? If you don't clean your room, if you don't do your homework, I will hit you. And obviously, in a case like this, for you, it doesn't really matter whether the room is clean or not. What do you care about? To make sure you don't get hit. So, if it's between cleaning the room or trying to win the heart of the mother or the father so they don't hit you, what would you do? Like, oh, mom, please don't hit me, please don't hit me, please don't hit me, instead of focusing on cleaning your room. But there's another way in which someone can tell you to do something. Like what? Let's say you've got a high cholesterol. You go to your doctor, and the doctor says what? If you don't exercise Java, John, with this high cholesterol, God knows what's going to happen to you. You may be expecting heart attack. You may be expecting heart failure. It's necessary for you to exercise. See? It's necessary. It's not like if you don't exercise, I'm going to be as a doctor coming to you and giving you the heart failure or heart attack. No, I'm telling you, this way you're going, it's going to lead to a heart attack. So please stop. Do you see the difference? We're treating God like that mother who's told us to do things, and if we don't do them, he's going to kick us. Whereas God is like that doctor that's telling us, if you live this way, you're going to be in pain. I don't want you to be in pain. Change something about yourself. Now, why have we got to this place? Because we've done these actions for so long, and we haven't got any result that we can't even believe that prayer is for my own good or religion is for my own good because I don't see any change in myself. How is it helping me? So we've lost the whole point, even though when you look at the ahadith, this is not me saying, how many hadith should I bring from, for you from the prophet? Who says, if you pray for 10 years, 20 years, it doesn't lead to a change inside, it's useless. Lady Fatima, if you pray, it doesn't reduce something in you, it doesn't change you, it's useless. Imam Bagr, same thing. With regard to fasting, how many hadiths should I bring that the Prophet says fasting, if it doesn't lead to a change inside you, the only result of it is just thirst and hunger. Imam Ali, the same thing. There are so many hadiths which shout in our face that what we are after is an inner change. 
If we worship 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years without creating that change inside, it's not going to help us at all. And we can even see the result of that in this life. Now, you may be saying, why is this inner change so important? Why is it... Thank you so much. Why is this inner change so important? Why did the Prophet emphasize so much on it? Why did Imam Ali emphasize so much on it? Why did Lady Fatima, in one important lecture that she gave, she put her finger on this, that if you're praying, it's for a change. Why? Why is this inner change so important? This is the key point of tonight's discussion. So I really hope you pay attention. See, this may initially seem a little bit difficult to grasp, but I guarantee you it's a very easy concept. Just pay attention to me for a few minutes. Let's get this point across, and the rest of it will be fine. The way you perceive the world, the way you experience the world, you see the universe, you see everything, is very much dependent on what's happening inside of you. The way you see the world, you experience the world, is very much dependent on what's happening inside you. Let me give you a few examples. If I'm angry, when I look at the world, when I, let's say I'm angry at my father, I'm angry at my partner. When you're angry and you look at the person you're mad at, you won't see the good things they've done for you. This is even scientifically proven. Your brain will stop the good memories you have with that person to coming to your mind. Oh, anger inside me. Now the people in the world look as if they've never done anything good for me. If there is social anxiety inside me, I will look outside and what do I see? People who are trying to judge me. If I'm jealous and I look outside, what do I see? Oh, people who are trying to be better than me. People's good life. I won't see the good things in my own life. If I'm scared, I look at the world, what do I see? A very scary place. A very fearful place. Now, you can check this, you can testify to this if you just look at your own life. Has it ever been that you were scared of going to a meeting or meeting with someone? You were scared inside and that place looked like the scariest place in the world. Whereas another person who's inside wasn't filled with that fear, they just walked in with no issue. So what's inside you changes the way you experience the world. If you're scared, the world's going to be scary. If you're anxious, the world's out there to get you. Now, how is this relevant to our discussion? The only way, the only way life will ever be free of pain, free of fears, free from this separation that we feel from God. The only way for that to happen is if you change something inside and the way you see the world would be different.
In our tradition, how do they refer to this as hijabs, veils? They say right now, in that very moment, when you feel lonely, when you feel like you've got no one, no one understands you, no one appreciates you, God's there for you. But there's something inside you which stops you from seeing that. There's something inside you which stops you from experiencing that. And pray for 40 years, 50 years, 60 years. As long as that thing doesn't change, you will never feel God. Now you see why this inner change is so important? Why in our tradition there was so much emphasized, Mr. Imam Baghir says, don't look at a person. I mean, we have this from many of the Imams. Don't look at a person how long their prayer is. Look at inside. Because prayer, you can't do it without changing inside. But certain qualities like honesty, like being nice to others, for, that to ha for you to have that, you need to change something inside. There's so much emphasis in our religion about this. Now, can uh, one of the organizers just tell me how much time I have? So, why is this perfect? Thank you so much. Now, what is the main change that needs to happen to us? Let me just give you a quick review of what we've been discussing so far. The first thing I've said is that the way we are experiencing life right now is not easy. We're going through so many difficulties, so many stress, and every decision we are doing in life, every decision we make is just to make it a little bit easier, a little bit less difficult. Now, why do we have this issue? Because no one ever told us how to be an insan, how to be a human being, how to deal with our emotions, how to deal with our thoughts, how to look at the world and see beauty. Don't they say it was created by a merciful God? Then how come when I look at the world, I only see pain? Honestly, how many of you, when you go outside, you're like, oh, this is a world created by a beautiful God. Why not? Because there's something inside us that stops us from seeing the world like that. Now, religion was meant to come, remove that thing so that we can look at the world and see beauty, that we see our connection with God. But we got so much focus, not on the inner change, but on the appearance, on certain things we do, because we thought we have to satisfy God. We forgot religion is there to save us. Hope now, what is one of the most inner changes, the most important inner change that religion came to give us? See... When you look at the Quran, you realize that throughout history, God sent so many prophets, so many religions, so many scriptures to tell insan one thing, to create, a, to create an important change in insan, to awaken something in insan. And that is what, insan, you're so important. You're so great. You're the Khalifa of God. When God created you, he congratulated himself. When you get ill and someone comes to visit you, God says they have come to visit him. When you're in need, when you're poor, someone gives you money, God says it's as if they've given money to him. He's treating you as if you're him, as if. No wonder, because he says, and I blew into you from my own spirit. 
And your spirit is so important, God out of respect attributes it to himself. All the prophets came to awaken this inside you. That's why the Quran is called dhikr. Because it's not come here to force you to learn something. Not like the way they teach us religion. Oh, memorize these sets of sentences. Memorize there's a God. Memorize God is great. Memorize God loves you. No, it wanted you to feel that inside. And that's why it's called dhikr. Imam Ali in Nahjul Balaghi, when he wants to talk about the role of prophets, what does he say? He says the prophet came to take the things which were so hidden in you, so lost, so buried, to bring them out. And what is that? One of the most important one of is that is that you're important. You're so great. Why is this so important to accept that you're great? Because then it wants to teach you, take care of every second of your life. Every second of this life that you're spending and you're getting something, you've got to be careful with that. But why don't we feel this way? Why don't we feel that we're significant? Why don't we understand that this human soul that God has given us, it's so important because no one ever taught it. No one ever taught it to us like that. In fact, they did the opposite. Let me mention how prophet treated children. See, the prophet was going to the mosque to pray. There were a few children who stopped the prophet. They were like, play with us. The prophet starts playing with him. A person comes from the mosque telling the prophet, you're late, the prayer is late. He starts to get angry at the children. The prophet says, don't you dare talk to these children in a harsh way. I would much rather be late for prayer than to annoy these children. What is he teaching them? You're important. Your life matters. You're the Khalifa of God. Every second of your life is important. And then he tells them, go and bring walnuts from home. Maybe I can buy myself from these children. Gives them the walnuts and say, now can I go? Now how do we teach children to our... How do we teach prayer to our children? Have you been to religious schools? Come on, everyone. Pray. If you don't pray, I'll write your name. Oh, how are you? Why are you, why are you behaving like that? Shomali, be careful. Javad, Fulan, you're late. Come on, yalla. Are we treating our children the way Prophet treated them? Are we giving them respect? Are we treating them like they're beautiful souls created by God? And then do we ever expect them to feel and inside that there's something special about them? You treat them like this. See, the prophet was praying, and afterwards someone told him, why did you, what happened? He said, How, why are you asking? He said, the last two rakats, you did it so quickly. Why, what happened? He, didn't think, he said, didn't you hear there was a baby crying? I finished the prayer quickly so the mom would go and attend to the child or the father. Bebin, as a child from that age, they want to tell us something. You're important. You're special. And then to this child, later on you can say that be careful of the moments of your life. But the way they, they treated us, the way they taught religion to us, no respect no understanding this child. No, you have to do this. 
Pray or God would get upset. Pray or God would hurt you. Even though you look at the ad'iyya that we have, I've written a long list, maybe another night we can talk about it. How many ad'iyya we have from the Ahlul Bayt? That God, even when I make mistake, you still love me. Not just that, you come and cover so other people don't realize. You come and help me heal. You're patient with me. They came to tell us that we're special, that we're so important. But unfortunately, we don't pass on to this, our, this to our children, and then we get mad at them. Why are you wasting your life on social media? Why are you not doing anything? Well, why should she? Why should she do anything with her life? She doesn't feel special about herself. She looks in the mirror and she hates herself. Whoever respected her. We know that when a child would come to the room, the prophet would smile. The prophet would sometimes get up. Even to a child, to tell them you're important. All the prophets came so that you understand you're special. The prophet would get up. But then with our children, instead of doing that, we set them in a line. Come, everyone, come. Now let me tell you the prophet was nice to you. Memorize that. Let me tell you that prophet smiled at children. We even write books about that and make them memorize it. And if they, for example, make a mistake when we're getting a competition about the fact that prophet smiled at children, we're like, oh, hope you don't get the points. Ali gets the point. Zahra, you didn't memorize it well. Even when we want to talk about how prophet respected children, we don't do that. We do the opposite. Now, I know a lot of you may be thinking, I don't feel special. I don't know what's the relevance of this to my life, all of that. That's what we will be talking about in the other nights. In the coming nights, what I'm going to be talking about is what are the things inside us that have stopped us from feeling the fact that we are a soul created by God? Why is it that we don't feel God in our life? Why is it that when we're going through a suffering, we can't feel God's help? We can't have courage. Why is it that when we pray, we don't feel God's presence? So, so far, we just diagnosed, give a diagnosis of what's wrong. But in the coming night, we'll provide solutions. So, inshallah, every night, we'll tackle one of the issues, and hopefully, by the end of it, you will see that religion can change your life. Religion can be so beautiful that you would love it. And you will hopefully, what I'm aiming to achieve is that by the end of it, you will see that religion came to serve you. And we see this in so many places. So I really ask you to, inshallah, stay with us for the rest of these nights. Follow the discussion so that we can learn from the Prophet, from the Ahlul Bayt, how can we live as a human? How can we deal with our fears, with our worries? And inshallah, we'll see that those are all going to be gone. We're going to be starting even to enjoy life, enjoying God's presence. And so thank you so much. May Allah, inshallah, help us to 
benefit from the a'mals that we do tonight, even tonight, inshallah, remember, everything we do is there to create a change within us. We're not just reading lines to check a list. No. Everything you do, try to be mindful. Try to reflect. Try to pay attention to the translation so that, inshallah, some real changes happen. And on that note, I end this lecture. May Allah, inshallah, help us in these very special and beautiful nights to create a real change inside. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Please recite salawat.